Welcome in to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. This is the Derby d'Italia wrap-up episode, and uh, our, our good sport friend Daniel Lucci, the Juventino, is on with us, as is a very happy Interista, Nick Costa. I'm, of course, very happy, and then Jerry is just going to be the neutral sniping at us in this episode. And I'm going to introduce uh, Daniel first. And I I know he's going to be a good sport. We were all just talking off the air. Um, We planned this panel, you know, to do this episode wrap up a few days ago. So we knew that unless the game was going to be a draw, we knew that there would be at least one unhappy person on here, if not two unhappy people. So, uh, Daniel, it's been a few hours at the time that we taped this. How are you holding up, man? Uh, It it could have been better. uh, That's for sure. It goes without saying, but... um... You know, it's it's tough to expect uh, a team to to put up a a good fight or a victory when when uh, you know nine out of the eleven don't show up to play. So you know, we'll touch on that a little more. But yeah, yeah. Let me and and Daniel. By the way, you can check out his work at uh, at World Football Index. And are, aren't you writing now for a new site as well? I saw you post a story the other day from uh, from a new site. Yeah, yeah. I did a a, a little um, guest writer. Uh, for a, a Becky Senora uh, blog, uh, follow that. Follow me, and and take. They have some good work there as well. Uh, just a couple articles for myself and a, and a couple other guys. So take a look there too. Nice. And uh, Nick Costa is also with us. Pretty glorious background. Pretty glorious jersey. You know, you know him uh, from the B- uh, Brotherly Puck podcast, and he's joined us here on Calcio Connection before. Uh, so again, uh, just to remind people, this is our Derby d'Italia review. Inter finally beat Juventus for the first time since late 2016. So uh, this this felt like a long time coming, and I know Nick wanted to rejoice with us. How you doing, man? Very good. A pleasant good evening to you and all my fellow Interisti. Yeah, we weren't sure uh, if this was going to be a happy one for us or not. Uh, it finally worked out. And Jerry Mancini, and Jerry is also happy because back on Friday, Lazio got the tremendous Derby victory over Roma. So Jerry's also in a good mood. And I know Jerry watched uh, into Juventus today. How you doing, Jerry? Good. Roma sucks. Juve sucks. And that's, that's all I have to say is they both fucking stink. Like, they, they both looked... Both derbies were comparable, where one side were dominant and the other time, the other side was just complete utter shit. I would say that Roma were miles ahead of shitness compared to Juve, but like that's just my thoughts. They just looked utterly disappointing for most of the game. Where Juve, it, it, it only took a matter of time before their shitness crawled in. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But Ronaldo fucking guy's a dud today what a fucking stinker he is talk about freaking everyone polarizes and kills Messi and how Messi doesn't step up well let me tell you something Ronaldo hasn't been stepping up that often this season either so uh yeah he he's got what 14 goals this year but um I think that he hasn't scored in the big games if and correct me if I'm wrong I I don't recall personally so but a lot of factors into that, but it happens. So <laughs> I love that. I, I want to give uh, a few of my thoughts from an inter perspective that I want to, I, I have a couple questions I want to ask Daniel. And then of course I want Nick uh, to weigh in as well. Um, so 
you know, you, you got it's funny because we didn't do on this show a whole lot of preview for this Darby matchup because I felt like uh, all of us did it on a lot of other shows, and and we we have a lot of other good friends, of course, who work in the uh, in the Calcho community. Like uh, Daniel and I actually were both on with our friend Anthony Privatera on Interworldwide a few days ago to preview the matchup, and we we've all been you know Jerry's been writing things, we've been on other shows, so we didn't really do I, I think the preview enough justice. But if you did happen to catch me on uh, on any other uh, any of the other shows where I talked about this uh, this Derby d'Italia, you know that. Um, obviously supporting Inter and watching the roller coaster that it's been this season, I was really nervous heading into this game. I mean, how could I not be coming off, you know, a, a performance against Roma last week? So most of dominance, not like enough. And then with a 2-1 lead late in the game, uh, the mentality changed. Conte substitute sent a clear message that, you know, that he was just going to try and, and defend and hold on to the lead for dear life, and that usually backfires. So after uh, really this entire season, up until this uh, this Juventus matchup, you hadn't seen Inter sustain anything for 90 minutes. Like, they all over the road. There have been games against weaker opponents like Torino and then Crotone where they've had poor first halves and then played well in the second half. And I knew that there was no way to beat Juventus if you weren't on the ball for 90 minutes, that that, that was not a possibility. Pre-match, uh, the Internet was imploding because if you caught some of the warm-up footage, you saw, you know, for those watching on YouTube, you can see the man behind me here in this photo, Arturo Vidal, uh, when he was embracing Chiellini before the match and he, he kissed the Juventus badge. And so, of course, that became a meme and a video. And I, I got in on some of the fun calling the guy Juventus double agent and people are freaking out. And Arturo Vidal overall this year has been a huge liability for Inter. Like he's been really, really poor, uh, but he actually stepped up against Juventus and had an excellent, excellent match. He scored the opening goal, perfect header off a cross uh, from Barella, who was brilliant in this match. So I, I was very happy to see Arturo Vidal play well. Uh, but Ella was no question the man of the match. I mean, we saw some, you know, great moments from other players like Hakimi and like Vidal. I thought Brozovic was also really good in the midfield. Uh, you know, Lukaku made some things happen. Lautaro missed some sitters, so he wasn't very good today. But no question in my mind, but Ella was the man of the match. Um, I thought that from an inter perspective, really where this match was won was in the midfield. Um, they hadn't put together, you know, too many consistent performances this season. There have been certain games where you thought, okay, Inter's midfield is getting bossed a little bit. Um, the midfield was elite uh, today. You know, they were they were battling, they were winning back balls, they were winning, you know, all the 50-50s with Juve, winning a lot of headers, winning back possession. Um, you know, I, I'll also uh, throw a shout out uh, to a guy in the defense who had a brilliant match, and that was Alessandro Bastoni, uh, especially. The ball that he played to Barella for the second goal was highlight reel material. I mean, that was an, and a perfect finish, right? A beautiful long ball uh, from Bastoni, threaded the needle, Barella with the finish. When I was watching that goal in live time, when Barella was on the receiving end of that pass, for the first instant, I thought that that was Lautaro receiving the pass. And so my thought was, He's going to put this over the crossbar because that, that he could not finish anything in this game. I thought, oh, Lautaro is going to fuck this up. But since it was Barella, he ended up putting it in the top corner and scoring that goal. And then uh, even, you know, over the last uh, 15, 20 moments of the match when Inter were forced to do a lot of defending. I mean, the Barella goal was at the 52nd minute. 
Uh, so Inter were holding on to that 2-0 lead for, for 43 minutes if you include stoppage time. And uh, there, there was never too much threat from uh, Juventus. And we'll get to the Juve side of it from Daniel here in a second. I thought from the Inter perspective, um, the shape was great. You know, the, the wingbacks came back. Uh, Darmian came in for Ashley Young in the second half. And I thought Darmian won some good balls and did a nice job. They were basically defending with five at the back, but still countering and looking dangerous. Um, so I, I was pretty happy with the way that they were cynical and were able to kill off the game. I, I will admit that when they went to halftime with Inter up 1-0, I was shitting my pants because it should have been about 2 or 3-0, to be quite honest, because Lautaro Martinez missed. Uh, the first chance that he missed was really a sitter that he put wide. The second chance was a nice chance, not quite as blatant of a miss, but you could argue that Lautaro really should have had two goals at the half, and with the way Inter were on the front foot, I'm happy Vidal scored, but it should have been two or three nil instead of one nil. So, of course, as it goes with Inter, I'm thinking a one nil lead. You had chances you should have put away. I thought it was only a matter of time before Juve got an equalizer and got back into the game. So that's why that goal from Barella was was so, so, so important. And uh, and I I honestly thought that tactically that was uh, Conte's best job at Inter uh, last two seasons. You know, and and I uh, I thought that in the case of Pirlo, you know, Pirlo had his lines too high, was really playing into what Inter liked to do, and that's counter, move fast on the break. And so I thought that from Pirlo's standpoint, there wasn't nearly enough adjustment, and he played into what Conte likes to do. And as a result of that, uh, you felt like you were watching a vintage Antonio Conte coach team, right? You could think. What he did uh, at Juve seven, eight years ago. Some of the greater matches he had at Chelsea, the Italian national team. Uh, that's really the tactical performance that I thought we've not seen much from Conte, especially not this season, maybe a couple of those last year. So so th- th- those are some of my so- thoughts from an inter perspective from the match. But I, I want to get into what Daniel Lucci saw because, of course, he's watching it with a different set of eyes. Like I- I'm watching it and Nick is watching it with the lens of, what is Inter doing well? And I know Daniel was really absorbing what Juve wasn't doing well. So let me ask you first, Lucci, did you feel like the performance from Juventus, was that more tactics or was it more mentality from the team? I think it was more mentality from the team, if I'm being honest. I know I know, Pirlo, you know, he definitely didn't get everything right. That, that goes without saying. But I think just from the kickoff, from, you know, in the first 10, 15 minutes, you could tell they just weren't, they weren't fighting for balls. They weren't winning balls. They weren't, you know, attack. I, I, I swear we did not have a good attack in the, like you mentioned, in, to, in the inter back line till like the 82nd minute. It's the only, sh- that, I think it was the 82nd minute or something like that. Whenever Chiesa had his attempt on goal, which Handanovic made a good save, that's the only, it's the only attempt I could remember from this match. Um, they, the midfield was just, I don't know if they didn't feel like playing today. They were scared to go up against the inter midfield. They just, they were getting bossed and just looked uninterested the whole game. Um, I, I know lots of Juventino were, were blaming Kalini and Bonucci for the goals today. And I just, I think that's complete stupidity to, if I'm being completely honest that, you know, Kalini for the most part kept Lukaku in check. You know, yes, he did have a good couple chances, but he made him force, you know, he forced them to make tough attempts, you know, tough shot, uh, shots on net or, you know, fight him for every ball, which, which you like to see. But it, it it comes down to the midfield. Um, on the first on the Vidal goal, it was a two on one. It was two Inter guys versus the one Danilo defender. Of course, he's going to get out. You know, he's not going to win the ball against two Inter guys. 
And uh, the the second goal was just a great pass from Bastone. And, and again, the high line kind of ruined that. And, you know, no one's going to catch Barella when he's coming down uh, on, a, on, a, on a semi-break. So. so one thing I wanted to ask you, and I know that uh, when you and I were on with Anthony for the preview show a few days ago on Inter Worldwide, um, you know, we had brought up a couple of the key individual matchups. And I, I saw the wings being really important for both mm-hmm. teams. Like I, I was certainly from an inter standpoint, I was a little bit worried about Ashley young going up against Chiesa defensively. And then um, I, I had a feeling as a lot of people did that a key matchup on the other side would be Hakimi going up against Frabotta. And mm-hmm. that was a situation where Juventus were really shorthanded um, at, at fullback in that game. I mean, Sandro not available, Quadrado not available, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Frabotta is very, very young, uh, hasn't hasn't started many matches, so to have to go up against a guy like Hakimi is not easy. So had, And, and Frabotta ended up, you know, getting, getting subbed off uh, in the second half. How yeah. did you feel about his performance defensively, and, and how did you feel about Chiesa tonight? Uh, well, for Brotta, you kind of expected him not to be able to do much. You knew he, most of his time was going to be defending against Hakimi. Um, I do think he, it definitely wasn't his one of his better matches, but I also um, give a little blame to, to Ramsey. And I know this is because Pirlo wants him to play a little higher to support the attackers, but he left for Brotta, you know, hung out to dry against Hakimi. And then when Barella went over to support Hakimi, it's two-on-one. And what's for Brotta going to do by himself? Um, especially when Kalini's already man-marking Lukaku. Um, Chiesa, I thought, was, you know, he, he was somewhat lively like he usually is. But then again, he hardly had the ball at his feet. And every time it would be a 1-2 with Rabiot, somebody would commit a, a clumsy foul or lose the ball. Is they weren't, they weren't fighting, you know, they weren't hanging on to the ball. They weren't fighting for the ball like they should have been in, in a big match like this. Um, Ramsey and Bentancourt, like I, I mentioned, the midfield was just not very good. And, um, yeah, Chiesa wasn't, wasn't, you know, he expected more from him. It wasn't his best game. But then again, you, you could say that for the whole team. So, so I, I know Nick has been chomping at the bit. So I, I, I want to get uh, y- your thoughts, Nick, on who really stood out to you and, and what you thought of Conte's tactical performance. So you, you can start with the players on the pitch and then your thought on the way the game was coached. Uh, I'm going to echo what you said. Um Barella was definitely the man of the match. I feel like um, Vidal finally played the game we were all hoping he'd play as Inter fans because he's been absolute dog shit up until today. Um, Brozovic, I think, had his best game in two years. I feel like Brozovic lately, uh, you know, if things aren't going his way, his posture is bad. He's always making faces and his, his just attitudes poor i felt like juventus had no answer for barella vidal and um why am i blanking vidal barella and um the other midfield why am i blanking who midfielders brozovic oh brozovic i'm sorry my god sorry 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 so (laughs) you just said it 30 seconds yeah like i agree with uh with lucci um i don't think the tactics were poor uh, I think it was the mentality because you know a team that wants to play out the back like like Inter you want to you want to press them and and force an error deep in their own defensive zone, but the the poise the composure that the midfielders but especially Brozovic he he had 
guys draped all over him the whole the whole game, deep in his own in his own end, and he just made beautiful passes all game long. Like he was lively. He was good at getting the ball back. Um, I, I feel like the only guy that only player that had a poor game was Altaro. Yeah, he's feast or famine this year, and it's mostly famine. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the game would be a little more chippy. I thought mm-hmm. we're going to get the usual, you know, uh, Chiesa has a season-ending injury flop, and then he's back running around in 10 minutes. We didn't get really much of that because he was invisible the whole game. We didn't get the Vidal, the, the Vidal drama either. I mean, outside of him oh. kissing the badge, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't break anybody's skull or anything in the game. Yeah, he, he kept his composure. Um, I just feel like from the jump, Inner just... They had the mentality. That's that is the game Conte wants to play out the back, and it just everyone was in position. Everyone was making perfect passes. They were lively. Uh, the hold-up play by Lukaku was brilliant again. I just Hakimi he ate Frabotta alive, and um, Bastoni's the best young center back in the world right now. The way he's playing, that pass was incredible. The, the the complete busted coverage by Bentancourt trying to chase the, the highlight from behind. It, everyone fell asleep down the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And then he burns Chiellini and Frabolta for the second. So finally got to, you know, my heart was still racing the entire final, you know, 20 minutes because you never know with Juve and the referees and Seri ass. But um, <laughs> just, just a fantastic game by Inter. Like, it makes you scratch your head. Like, where was that against Shakhtar in the Champions League? Yeah. When all they needed was one goal. But um, if that, that to me, that's your starting lineup going forward. If they can all replicate that or even replicate 80% of that performance, they're going to do some damage. But well, and just that add on to that, Nick, sorry. You know, yeah. just I know you use Shakhtar as an example, but Shakhtar was obviously a lot has a lot more pace than Juve does, especially with their injuries. Mm. And they set up to play defensive. So they kind of clogged Inter, you know, to make their short passes start from the back. Whereas Juve, there was way too much space in the middle of the field between defense and and midfield. Inter could make fucking 50 passes, you know, and, and, you know, Bentancur and Rabiot would be over here and then it's over there. Like they're chasing chasing shadows. And at that point, you know, you know, your heads, their heads not in the game and they're just, they're just running around with, you know, not, not not knowing what to do. That's so. true. They, they probably maybe Pirlo had some of those midfielders pressing a little too much because, like you said, every time that pass was made to the middle, like in a return around, and there'd be nobody on them. And, exactly. And, and they were exactly. off to the races. Where you're right, Shakhtar fucking parked the bus and celebrated a Europa League berth. Fuck them. <laughs> well, so Nick, can I get you? To give Conte some credit, because no. I, I know that uh, now we've had you on once before, and uh, and I think we all regret it because w- whatever the conversation was then a few weeks ago, it just got so busy that I didn't really give you a chance to tee off on Conte because you're one of Conte's loudest critics. Yes. But it's weird because I know like you've been chomping on the bit to get back on here and trash Conte, but like how do you trash Conte after that? I think all you can say is. Why can't Conte do this more often? Like, I think that may be the only criticism today. Like, I, how, do, how do you feel about uh, about his tactical acumen today? A plus. I mean, I'll give credit where credit's due. I really don't like him as a person. I still think he's a Juventino shitbird. But uh, <laughs> I, I I like the lineup. I like that he kept Gagliardini out of the starting lineup. Because <sighs> you see how poor he is even the final 20 minutes. How much but it would have taken a, a useless 
Pepe Yancini to get this lineup wrong. I don't like. <laughs> there's no way you can screw this up. He knows who his best players are, and he knows yeah. Pirlo is tactically inexperienced and has a you know in couple injuries and whatever and whatever. So it would yeah. Conte would have had to kill somebody to ruin this one. Like, well, he's ruined a few things over the last eighteen months. Fair, fair enough. But I a plus today. I, I mean, that's he, the perfect. He could have thrown Kolarov on. <sighs> oh my god, Kolarov. That's why I don't feel sorry for any team that gets hit with COVID because Inner had to play Kolarov against Milan when Inner had the COVID bug to start the season, and yeah. he was directly responsible directly responsible for both goals Milan had. Yeah, and listen, I think both of you guys from both sides uh, made really good points about the mentality because I, I thought I, that everything Lucci said was very fair. That I, I was I was honestly shocked by just how little Grinta Juventus mm-hmm. played with in this game, and then on the other side of it. I, I was truly shocked at how just uh, emotionally invested Inter looked only because not only have we not seen a whole lot of it over the last couple of years, we haven't seen a whole lot of it against Juventus in a really long time because both both matchups Inter had with Juventus last season, they were played off the pitch. Um, you know, the first one was the 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 one two loss at San Siro, you know, before the pandemic with a full stadium, Inter had no heart in that whatsoever. And then they played uh, in in the empty uh, Allianz, you know, right when uh, right right before the stoppage uh, in Serie A, and uh, there was really not much. I mean, they had a, I think a decent first half in that game, and then just really didn't show up mentally for the second half. So you just you don't see a whole lot of uh, a lot of that passion uh, against Juventus. So I, I was. I was just shocked. I'm still a little bit in shock. Uh, you know, Jerry, you know, you, your thoughts watching this match, and you had a marathon of Calcio today because you were watching from the 6.30 a.m., you know, Napoli destroying Fiorentina. You watched all the way through Inter Juventus. Uh, just w- w- were you surprised by not only Conte's tactics today, but a- also the Grinta that Inter played with? Um, you guys said you have a player that you chose, Varela. My player of the game is the Inter team. My takeaway of who was shit was the Juventus team. That, that's oh. how I look at this. And, and if I had to choose a player, I agree with Nick. But Barella was the best player on the field. Um, he, he's been dominant the whole season. He's probably the best midfielder. I would be shocked if he didn't win MVP best midfielder in Serie A, like whatever you want to call it, if he did not win the award, that would be like Chiro Immobile getting stripped of the award last year when Dybala, for no fucking reason, should have won that award. But that's a whole different debate we can talk about another day because I can be on that for hours. But regardless, I, I we talked about this off air. I, I like Chiesa. I'm a supporter of Kiz. I think that he's showing his potential of who he really is. Now, when you got, I call him Kulo, because that's just my nickname for Kulo. But, is it because you don't want to try to say the full name? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I call him Kulo. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. Don't, don't they play similar positions? Correct me wrong. They're both on the right side, which one benefits the other doesn't, because they're not always going to be playing the same. I, I just think that. Had the money been invested into a, a pure number one midfielder that this th- this team still hasn't signed in how many years now? They still haven't fixed the problem of their midfield. They had a good back end before started aging. They've always had a good front line with Mandzukic to 
whoever else they've they've used Morata first time, second time now, um, bringing in uh, Ronaldo still when he wasn't peaking yet. Like they've always had the right positions filled, but somehow this team successfully fucks up on signing a good. I mean, not not like good, a great midfielder like Inter has, like Lazio has. Milan has a better midfield than fucking Juventus, in my opinion. I I just think I take Kessier over half, over the whole midfield, fucking for Juventus. I'll tell you that right now. The guy can control the game, the amount of minutes he plays. He he stepped up so many games this year with so many players missing him in the Milan midfield. Um, I do like McKenny. He is the future of this team. He's someone you can build around, but he's not. To me, he's not that great player yet that can make that difference, that can make the leap. Um, their midfield looked a disaster today. I, I don't know what they were trying to do. Benton Core, I loved that guy last year. I'll be the first to, to say that I thought that guy was the real deal for Juventus. I thought that he was going to be that creative midfielder where I, a lot of his passes last year, he looked really effective. I remember in the first game, Juventus versus Lazio, before he got hurt, he was dominating that midfield. He was really effective. As soon as he went out, Juventus struggled against uh, Lazio. And that was kind of a big factor of why they won that game that night. Now, uh, every time I watch Juventus, they look good in a game. And they look like shit the next game. And I don't know what they were trying to play today. A 3-5-2, a 4-4-2. I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do. Um, I, 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 just they they all played individually. Everyone was just trying to do their own thing. Like they were just running like like lost puppies. Where they just run in circles, chasing their tails, and they just they didn't make no sense. You got Ronaldo playing behind uh, Morata. You had Chiesa on the right playing with no support. You, even you said Fabrota getting hung out to dry. Ronaldo looked like a sack of shit. The guy looked like a sack <laughs> of shit, and and I, I like I, I've been saying this on uh, so many shows now. I've been reading the book about him, and one of the things that the book tells me that I saw today is that when it doesn't go his way, he's a fucking sucky baby. He's a doesn't take accountability. And the one thing I don't like about him that hurts this team in so many games is his inability to track back and help the defense. He's such a fucking lazy player. I give him all the, the talent in the world that he can beat players one-on-one and he can hit the moves and everything. But his work ethic sometimes just, it, it makes me want to throw up. I swear to God, like, it's just, it's brutal. But enough about Juventus. Enter. Enter. Conte, my man. You got to give Conte this guy love, man. Nick, no. get the f- <laughs> you got to give this guy love. Come on, Nick. Have a gun, man, because... How much shit he takes, and still, still, Inter is at the top of the table. And, and I mean, for, he's for done. today, uh, M- M- Milan can go right back top. Uh, Doesn't tomorrow. matter. I don't Forza care. Cagliari. Forza Cagliari. Forza Cagliari. Forza Cagliari. We need goals. Yeah. Yeah, but but just the fact that everyone's forgetting Champions League was never the goal. It mm-hmm. was always the Scudetto. That's oh, the man. goal. And, I wrote I, actually no screw you man because I uh, screw wrote, you I, I, I literally dedicated a piece to Conte and if this if this team can actually win a scudetto and I said that they could it's been what 
a decade since they won something, almost Come a on. decade. Yeah. 2011. 2011. So, they, they did what they had to. I know people don't like Vidal. I know there's the bad side of Vidal. But look at the difference of having Vidal in, in a game like today against a bonafide team like Univ. Well, they still are bonafide because they have won nine Scudettos in a row. So you can't take that away from them. They're still the superior team that you have to beat. Vidal was a difference maker in that midfield, though. Like Finally. Like, I... There have been good games from him this year. And I know that there's been times, a lot of times, where he's made poor decisions. But having a guy like Vidali today proves to be a difference maker. Um, I know that you call them senior citizens players. And like I know Kolarov was the worst signing. That one I can agree with you guys. But a guy like Vidal wasn't there last year that is there this year and can really make a difference. Had this team was able to have Stefano Sensi healthy for more than two games in a row, what kind of midfield you really would have? Um, Bastone, look at the guy, what he's become under Conte. He was not like that before Conte came. I didn't even know who Bastoni was before Conte came. Well, he was a kid. He was a kid before mm-hmm. Conte came. Yeah, like I didn't know who he was, how he came on to enter. And then all of a sudden, the last two years, this guy's flourishing. Like He's got one of the best long passes in the game, I have to say. Like, Anybody who can hit a pass like that on a consistent basis is is unbelievable because that's not easy. So I I like Inter's chances of winning Escudetto more and more as the weeks go by. Um, Coppa Italia is not is not going to be a worry to their season. If anything, I would try to invest and try to win that tournament. Something that they can build off of for the future. That's any any trophy is always more of morale to get your players boosted, to give them a reason to believe. Uh, that's how I look at it. But with today's performance, this is it, it kind of reminds me a little bit. And I'm gonna go back to Lazio, where the only thing with Inter that concerns me going forward is that they need to do this more consistently now. And and yeah. like I've seen Lazio this year play against Juventus and Inter and and pull off great performances and then i see them against a team like i don't know freaking santoria they they shit the bed so it, it, and that's enter the same boat where they have the depth and the quality i honestly thought they didn't have the depth after i watched that santoria game but you know what this team has every reason to win the scudetto and, and believe why they're their favorite and anybody who can bet this team at a plus, and it's not favored right now, I would con- be considering putting money on them because you- you'll get some good value on that, man. I don't know how... Who- who's still favored? Juventus to win the Scudetto? Uh, no, or- I- Inter are actually favored. I mean, it's in the okay. plus money. Everyone's in the plus, but, uh, you know, e- even before the match, Inter were favored, so I'm sure I'm sure they're still favored. And then the last thing, Latal Martinez, if you guys can sell that guy for 60, 70 million, and that's a profit, you take it and you run. You should have sold him for a hundred last year. Yeah, if they could have. He, I don't think they really could have, but they should have. He he missed what three three chances today. He should have yeah. scored at least. Yeah. Guy fucking stinks. I'm sorry, man. He's so <laughs> fucking frustrating. He stinks, and I'll tell you why he stinks because he's so inconsistent. Yeah. Today he's a fucking Ferrari. Tomorrow he's a fucking Honda. Like <laughs> holy shit, man! Like it, it's so annoying to watch that guy. So annoying. Like, it, it just blows my mind how he can go on and off. And then the last thing, Lukaku. Guys, 
another player that Conte brought back to life and, and saved his career. Conte was, I mean, Lukaku was a big part of their success today, how he was really? able to hold up the, I, like, I thought he was, I, so. yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought, um, was good. I, I thought, I thought uh, it was it was it was pretty interesting um, watching watching him uh, battle with Bonucci because Bonucci was playing him very aggressively, um, but honestly, like I thought, without actually scoring, that was like uh, that was a really good performance from a striker, even without scoring. And you know, he he should have had an assist on on at least one Lautaro goal. So I, you know, Lautaro basically robbed him from the stat sheet. What what did you think, Lucci? I like I, I didn't think he was terrible, but I thought for the most part Kalini like stuck with him as best as he could. You know what do you expect from a guy who hasn't started a game since you know since uh, a Serie A game since September? Yeah. Um, but like I know me and Jerry said this on uh, Calcio Connection. I think it was the last time or the time before we picked our MVP of Inter, and I know you know who we said. So I'm just gonna let Barella. Yeah, you guys said Barella. hands down the best player by a mile today. Yeah, um, but yeah, Lukaku was good. I, I I've seen him play better though. Like I, I wasn't overly impressed. And then again, like it's not like um, you know we really put pressure on on anyone else. Like every ball went to him. There was at least some pressure on Lukaku. Whereas everyone else, like we we mentioned, had you know three days to make a decision who they're gonna pass to. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna touch on one thing on Lukaku. He had three shots, two shots on target, three key passes, one aerial duel, one. I'm just looking at his stats right now. He was rated almost eight in this game. Wow. Like, yeah. yeah. Five dribbles, successful. <laughs> like, one, three fouls. These are these are keys. He, he had that one. Do you remember that turn that he had that was yeah. really impressive? I mean, th- that was the kind of thing where if that was Manchester United, Lukaku, he would have, like, touched it right to, uh, right to an opposing midfielder. But he actually... He had some sweet moves today. I think that Lukaku, what, what we we're so accustomed to him scoring goals yeah. that sometimes we forget what else he can do, and, and it's he makes players around him better. He gives Lautaro Martinez those opportunities to score, where where he can he drifts off two guys towards him and one guy less to him, and, and it opens up space. And the last thing is Kilini. I, I just don't think he's no longer the defender he was. I actually, I actually thought he was pretty good today. I didn't. I didn't think he was bad either, Alex. Yeah, to be yeah. I, thought, I thought he was. I thought he was fine. I thought he struggled at times to defend Lukaku. Maybe he's I agreed. Agreed. Because Lukaku's big and he's fast, so of course that's not that's no easy task for anyone. But then again, he's, none of the goals were Kalini's fault. That's he, true. He, he made the simple passes out from defense. He, you know, he won a couple fouls from Lukaku on him. Like, what more do you want from 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 him? Like, it was the overall team who didn't show up. You you can't blame him for not. Oh, no, what you want you want him to score too? Like, who do you blame on that first call, Bonucci or Danilo? Well, see, neither of them because Danilo was outnumbered. It was it was uh, yeah. Lotaro and and Vidal at the back post, and Danilo was by himself. He can't cover two guys. Unfortunately, I think from what I was reading and what I saw, that was supposed to be Chiesa tracking back or Bentancur, or I'm sorry, not Bentancur, Rabiot, one of them, because since they're both playing on the right side of midfield, they should be tracking back, covering, covering that midfielder. So that if you had one of them there, it's two on two, you have a better chance of clearing that. Um, but yeah, I, like I, I didn't think Bonucci and Kalini were terrible today. Did they get burned a few times? Yes, of course. But 
uh, for the over, you know, you can't blame them for the loss. And I know some people were blaming them and saying, you know, they're ancient and this, and I get it. But when you have, you know, three fourths of your back line out, there's only so no, many things true. you can do. So I, I want uh, two more things before we wrap up this episode. I, I want to get uh, Nick's thought on something big picture with Inter, and then I want uh, I do want to give Jerry an opportunity to flex a little bit because uh, Lazio had an unbelievable Rome derby performance on Friday. But you know, uh, one of the big underlying themes for Inter this week, and uh, to be honest, uh, one of the reasons why I I had trouble getting properly hyped for this game uh, Inter Juventus is. So many off the pitch rumors and reports this past week with Inter. Um, any everything from, you know, people claiming uh, that you know Suning, who own Inter, are are completely broke. They're financially insolvent. You know, look, they haven't paid an installment yet for Hakimi, which is true. But it's also true that they've had an agreement with Real Madrid since the summer to defer the first payment to March. So I'm not panicking about that. You know, stuff about the, uh, you know, the, the salaries to players being late. And then you have all, all these reports about uh, about the club being sold. Uh, there's obviously a lot of truth to those rumors. We're just not sure yet if they're trying to sell the the majority stake or a minority stake to this company, uh, BC Partners. You know, very seemingly, I hope, very wealthy company based in the UK. Uh, you know, if they do end up taking controlling stake, I, I hope they treat the club with the respect that I believe it's deserved. But, you know, with all this stuff happening off the pitch, and then you have to wonder, is a sale imminent? Is it a full sale? Is it a partial sale? Majority, minority? Um, quite frankly, I had a hard time really focusing on this match before it began. And I know uh, a lot of other Interisti were in that same boat. So, I mean, Nick, uh, this is kind of a loaded question as far as your thoughts on the situation. But, uh, what's your take on Sooning? Because personally, um, I, 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 over the past four years, they've done a lot of great things for the club. But as of today, if they're being restricted by their own government as to the way it's being reported that China is not al- allowing them to invest, you know, uh, money abroad right now, and, and if that freeze ends up, you know, going on for an, an indeterminate amount of time. And if they're really, you know, struggling with their retail revenues right now in China, like if, if they're having even 60 percent of the problems that people are saying they're having, then I think selling is probably the right move. And uh, and I'll thank them for the past four years. But I, I have a hard time seeing them being a viable company to continue. What do you think, Nick? I'm sure Mr. Zhang has already made some money on his investment from the day he bought it. So I'm sure he'll be able to flip it for a, a, a plus. Um, if I was him, I'd move to Italy and never go back to that shit country with a communist <laughs> dictatorship. Um, some of those rumors are generated by like fan pages and fan sites from yeah. Spain and all these other. I, I feel like I don't feel like, I feel like, every year it's uh, Twitter and all these websites that generate bullshit, whether it's against Inter, Juve, Manchester City, whoever. You know what I mean? It's. It's ridiculous. Um, if that's the case with uh, Hakimi, then I saw it was like a Real Madrid fan site that's trying to like stir the pot. It's like, yeah. well, fuck off. Like if that if that's already an agreement, then you're just trying to fucking create trouble. Worry about your own shit team that's on decline. Um, if they do sell the team, if Mr. If Mr. Zhang sells the team, I hope it. I hope these investors, whoever buys it, I hope they care and I hope they continue to dump money into the team because. Suning has, right? They yeah. signed Conte. 
and Conte has failed to deliver anything so far. But he, they're still buying players when he asks. And um, I, I just, I don't buy into the bullshit. I feel like every, especially every January and every summer, there's just rumor after rumor after rumor when markets are open, the transfer markets. I just don't buy any of it. Um, yeah, no. I, I, I just, right. I just, if, if it happens, just I hope whoever buys inner cares. That's it, right? Yeah, Agreed. yeah. And like I, I, I hate bullshit. the fact that it's all. You, you think so, Jerry? It's all bullshit. All these reports. Here's an example: Inzaghi. Inzaghi's gonna leave. Inzaghi's gonna leave. Yeah. He's going to Juventus. He's going to Juventus. How many times have you guys heard he's going to Juventus? Oh, like a, a month I don't know ago, why he, he wants to go to that Inter. Shit, oh, you remember Inter, that? Yeah, Inter was two point. Inter was the last one. That's right. A month Guess ago. Guess what yeah. I read today? I've heard that he's he's almost close to an agreement until 2024, and he's going to be making 2.8 million per season now. That's a big pay increase for him. And and, and I'll and I'll say I don't buy what people say because. Why would a guy like Inzaghi want to leave Lazio? That's all he knows. Because um, Lazio he wants a to win club. something for once. Well, <laughs> oh, here's the thing: we both just dunked. <laughs> You're right, but and he got his plane. Like, if I were him, I'd say I got my plane. I'm happy. Well, yeah. you gotta think like this: when you're when you're a guy who who's got ties with the club all your life, and you don't know anything better, it's all about winning. It's about what what you're loyal to, and, and loyalty is not what you see anymore and look look where loyalty got Bellotti in 18th place yeah, yeah and guess what loyalty got Latita, uh Nzagi two Super Coppa Italianas and a Coppa Italia and a Champions True. League berth and look what he's growing there and, and I think he's the only guy who who can actually get money from Latito and, and can actually understand Latito and have a working relationship anybody else who comes into Lazio will probably fucking wouldn't even stand the day with that guy so and, and and if Inzaghi wasn't so sold to the project of what the future is, I think he would have said "fuck you, I'm out." So there's something there that Latito is starting to open up his pocket slowly, and it's not just Latito that's cheap. It's it's the fact that the club doesn't make anywhere the same revenue and all that money. And and everybody's cheap right now. So, I mean, yeah. to be fair, it's yeah, like it's, uh, it's, nobody's really spending money right now. It's not fair to him that in the last third, when he took the team that was like in four hundred million dollars debt or something like that, was ridiculous amount of money that. They were owned by like investors, like banks or something. Like I was, I wrote up a lot. I mean, while he, he he spent twenty million on that shit player Muriki yeah. during a pandemic. That's yeah. something, man. Tw- twenty million on that guy during a pandemic. Well, he's spending. But I, I, I'm going off topic here. But yeah, I I agree with Nick, man. Don't buy these fucking. Yeah. I know even football tell you. I know football tell you is just reporting what other people say. But even when you're reporting what other sites are saying, you got to be careful because you got to know where the sources are from. How credible is it? Is it reliable? Is it, a lot of football ties just clickbait? So when yep. you see them, oh, Inter is going to sell Sooning this and that. I, I don't buy that Sooning needs money and all that personally. Well, how long has he been there for? Three, four years now. About four years. Yeah. And how? And what's how's the club been? I, I don't see any issues since he's well, taken. The thing was, like, they were the 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 the, the two things that are, are a little bit problematic. One is, um, unfortunately, the clubs that were investing the most right before the pandemic were then the clubs who were losing the most during the pandemic because mm-hmm. of how much money you just put out there, and then the revenue losses really hurt them. 
So so that's legit. They're not the only club going through that. But the other thing is, and, and Nick touched on it a little bit, is that, um, you know, they're and, and I'm I'm so far from an expert on Chinese politics. So I'm only going by what I read. But I keep hearing about these uh, about because because like the, the government structure in China, you know, we all know it's communist. It's like a hybrid communist uh, structure. So if you're if you're a business from China, you are still under, you know, the arm of the government. And the government apparently has told Chinese businesses right now uh, they cannot be investing into uh, into overseas, you know, businesses like like Inter, which Suning own, but it's an overseas product. So there's basically uh, there's basically an investment freeze that comes over their head from the government, and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, so that's supposedly the situation they're in. Again, I, this is what I read. I'm not an expert on this, but they are basically uh, forbidden by the government right now from investing new capital into Inter, and that may be why they would want to cash out right now is because, hey, if we can't even invest in this right now, we might as well cash out and enjoy the revenue. Twitter is such a cesspool, too. You know what yeah. I mean? There's always bullshit out there. Oh, yeah. I agree. Well, Jerry, uh, I wanted to do, uh, but before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to give you a chance to flex wrap up of lots of Roma. It was it was a masterclass by your guys. Alberto with two goals, Chido Immobile opened the scoring, you know, a dominant dominant victory at the Olimpico. What were your big takeaways from that win? Well, I I thought I I would just flex on the Inter game, but sure, why not? Hey man, uh, listen, I I wanted to give you the stage cuz people want to hear you react to that. Oh, uh, fucking Chido Immobile. Well, guys, that's all I'm going to say, man. The guy is fucking unstoppable on fire. I'll keep on tweeting that out. I don't give. A f- I hope he does show up in, in for Italy in the Euros and just starts to prove to people that he's not he's no longer just a City A player, but he's also the the international player, which I think he could be. The formation is always going to be an issue, and I hope that he can somehow adapt to a four three three and just figure it out. It's hard when you don't play that kind of system every day. You don't adapt to it and, and adjust to it. When you're so used to playing a certain style, it's kind of hard to be like versatile, especially as a striker. But in regards to Lazio's performance, did you see their third goal? 22 yeah. consecutive Crazy. passes and 11 players touched the ball in a row. Like, that is goal. insane, man. I saw the video. Miraculous. I've, again, like, it's just like Inter, I was saying. I haven't seen Lazio play a dominant first minute to last minute and i think it has a lot to do with like some of the comments that ex-players were saying like fabio capello was saying that this is a small team that um wasn't going to prepare well and and there was another guy who said this is playing lazio on friday is going to be like a practice game I, i forgot who it was but when you say stuff like that you and especially in a derby you're you're giving a team such as lazio ammo to be very pumped up. And Felipe Caicedo actually tweeted out on Twitter, oh, who is the small club now? Or oh, we just finished practice. Like he he basically cemented it and just like gave him a nice cheap shot. And all the players were, were just commenting on all these dumb lines that they were coming out with. And I think that has a lot to do as to why Lazio was so fired up for this game. Um, this is the type of team that if you give them a reason to believe – they will believe and they will go out and, and prove a lot of people wrong that they can be the best team in the world. 
Now, I wish that Lazio played like that on an every week basis because when I when I see what Lazio can produce like they did on Friday, I always know that they have the best starting eleven in City. Uh, I, I I truly thought they had a better starting eleven maybe last year with the form they were showing. But um, when you got a guy like Immobile up top, you got wing backs such as Marisic, who's proving he can be an inverted winger. And then you have Lazzari on the right, Senalulic, who's back. And when he's in form, he's, he's a serviceable left wing back. Um, in the back end, you have Acherbi, Stefan Rodu, who, who had a great game against Roma and still showing that he still has some legs left in him. Uh, Luis Felipe, when he's healthy, he, he can be a, a very solid defender in the back. And then the, one of the best midfields of, uh, of Savage, Luis Alberto, along with, uh, I, I say Lucas Leva is on the decline. I thought last year he was really good. This year, I, I do agree that Lucas Leva is no longer the player he once was. It could be COVID, it could be injuries too. But again, when, when you start getting older, it doesn't help you either. I think he's about 34 now. So I think Gonzalo Escalante should be given more minutes. I, he's looked really good in his role. But an overall great performance. Roma looked like shit. Like, not one player on that team looked good. Their first shot didn't come until the 85th minute. And and when Pepe Arena made the save, he made the save, and the reaction was great because it looked like he had just won a World Cup. And, and that's just how much it meant. So, uh, tactically, again... It, it drives me nuts when you see Inzaghi can get it right on, on a night where he rotated his players. He 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 showed trust in taking off Immobile and with 10 minutes left and put Vadat Mariki in. That just should tell you how confident he felt in the, in the victory. Like These are the small things I want to see more often with Inzaghi. If he can figure out that squad rotation, that's what hinders his ability to win more games. He's too reliant on the Albertos and the Savages that you got a guy like Apa Apro on the bench, bring him on. Um, you got another guy like Pereira, bring him on. You, you, There's depth on this squad. I know we criticized Latito being cheap, but they did some work in the summer. They brought players in, and Zagi was happy with it. I saw them come in in this game, and they were a, a big difference maker. I think that Roma has overachieved. I don't think they're going to stay at the top. They're going to dip off in the second half of the year, of the season, sorry. They haven't beaten a top seven team all year. There's a reason why, because they're just not as good as the top seven. That's it. They're just not at that level. Yeah, they, they did what they had to to beat the bottom teams, and that's mm-hmm. what helps you to stay at the top. But to be within the top four, you need to go up and beyond and try to win two of those games against the top teams not draw or lose all seven. Like, it just hinders. But there's just so many issues with Roma that you're you're starting to... Even against Inter, I thought that they were very fortunate to to tie them. And, and again, that second goal, in my opinion, was a foul, but that's that's debatable. But overall, Lazio just... And then the last part at the end where the, the, the players lined up on the side on the pitch holding arms together behind Nzagi. So if you've seen the picture of it, there's Nzagi. They call it Bande Nzagi because it, the band is behind them and he's leading the orchestra and everything like on the front. And like it, it's actually very nice to see that how much this, this game meant for Nzagi too. And what and it can be a turning point for their, their season. 
of how they rallied for each other and how they played so hard. So the form is starting to come with Lazio. We're starting to see what the team that they were prior to the lockdown. So this is very encouraging. They got games against the Swallow next weekend and Atalanta afterwards in Serie A. So two big games against top seven, eight, eight, uh, top eight clubs. So if they really want to stay within that, that threshold and try to compete for a Champions League, they need to win the next two games. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I, I love uh, Jerry getting to flex a little bit. Uh, certainly, th- thanks to Daniel Lucci for, for being a good sport, uh, because believe me, I, I know I know how tough it can be <laughs> to uh, to talk about losses. <laughs> so, so, Daniel, I'll, I'll let you go first, man. If you have anything to plug, I, I know you've been writing a lot lately, and yep. where can people find you on social media as well? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Daniele Lucci. Uh, I tweet out all my articles, or you can look at uh, Vecchia Signora blog or World Football Index. All my blogs are there. They're not all Juve either. So, you know, I've been getting into some of the younger, you know, Italian talent, discussing what they're all about. Uh, and uh, final thoughts, I just Hopefully, uh, Uve are smart, and like to add on to Jerry's point, they bring in Locatelli and hopefully maybe even DePaul in the summer, and we can adjust that, that midfield. Huge. So, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was unfortunately a tough day, but uh, we go until Wednesday, and we got Napoli. So we'll see how that one goes. Well, f- fortunately for Nick and I, not not such a tough day. Uh, Nick, let the people know where they can find you, man. Uh, first, I just want to give a quick shout out to my dad's hometown team, Pro Vercelli. They won today, Forza Pro. Nice. They're still in the playoff spot in uh, Serie C. <laughs> and uh, you can find me uh, at Forza Inner 215 on Twitter. Love it. Uh, Jerry, uh, what about you? You, you? you pump out like 17 stories a day. What have you been working on? And, and I love your Conte piece, by the way. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I'm just writing a piece on Lulich and basically what it means for Lazio that their captain has just returned to the lineup. And uh, I plan on writing a piece on their latest victory and how it can be the turning point of their season and how can it really help them finish in a top four spot, basically. So, yeah, a lot of stuff I've been writing on, but I'm actually trying to focus more on reading this Ronaldo book that I've been trying to accomplish in the last six months that I keep on drifting off away because I keep on writing and podcasting with match previews I need to write this week to three takeaways I just did for the, the recent game. So... Always trying to keep myself busy, basically. Well, after you're done with that, you got to read the Icardi book. I highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> is there one? I have no. It, there is. He, he wrote. He wrote his autobiography when he was like 23 years old. Fuck that, man. What an egomaniac. <laughs> what an Fuck fucking ego. I'm gonna write my autobiography at like 23 years old. He, he, huge thanks uh, as always. And you can follow Jerry on Twitter at jmancini8. You can follow our show at CalchoConPod on Twitter. We always appreciate. Uh, everyone who sends us nice shout outs and, and builds up our follower account. We love uh, having you guys follow us and we follow back on the CalchoCon pod account. We follow back every person who follows us. So make sure you get us there. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you check out the audio podcast wherever you download your pods. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. We'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. I'm sure we'll have an episode or two coming up during the week for another episode of the Calcho Connection podcast. Ciao.